Hello everyone, welcome back to the Greenwood and Milner Show here on Newcastle Fans TV, episode 61. And who says we don't give you more? Craig Moore. That's what we're looking for, isn't it, Sam Milner? Back to the archives with this one. Yeah, back to the archives. This was the first ever um, lockdown interview on uh, Newcastle Fans TV. Indeed, this was my first ever interview that I held. Yes. Yes. Fans and scholars of the channel will remember it was actually actually a double header because I had Craig Moore because of time zones. Craig Moore was in the wonderful depths of Australia, so I interviewed him at eight a.m. UK time, and then the very same day at I think it was six p.m. I interviewed Warren Barton, who was in San Diego. So it was a, a full on day. Um, yeah, Craig Moore was lovely. It was it was an ideal first one, really, because we share a lot of passions outside of football. So we had a good chat for half an hour and whatnot. And then after we finished recording, we were talking about horse racing for a good while, which was always fun. So, yeah, really nice guy. Um, as I say, some of it. And uh, what's what's funny is you can tell um, like what the time of when it was done because Nova Radio even gets a mention as well our old radio station. So, um, yeah, it's uh, nice to look back on these things. and We've been saving it for a while to put out on the podcast feed. So, yeah, here it is. It's uh, it's a good one as well. He's, he's, a, he's a top, top bloke. Yeah, obviously he joined from Glasgow Rangers um, to join no. Newcastle United. No, no, no. Munch and Gladbach. Of course, he had a little spoil of Germany, didn't he? Yeah, I should just say, Johnny wouldn't normally get that things wrong, but he, is, he, he was larging it in York yesterday, so he's not fresh. And I am post-surgery, so I'm not fresh either. Oh, come on, surgery. If, if, if the viewers or the listeners really wanted to know, well, I'm not going to put it out there, but it's not bloody surgery in any sense. It was a surgical procedure. What no else comment. would you call it? No comment. It was a surgical... Uh, I, what else would you call it? It was hardly a trip to the zoo. Well, yeah, if you go to the zoo for that, then I'll tell you. Exactly. It was a surgical procedure. A surgeon was present, as was a nurse. I was administered... You get a bit of stage fright. <laughs> you could say that. Now, this is, this is a PG. But, yeah, yeah I mean... We don't want. We don't need to go into that. So swiftly moving on. But I was anaeth. I was locally anaesthetized. Oh God! Here we go. Here we go. I'm and, the one that's and, been in New York, and you can't say words. And I was. I was scalpeled and cauterized and uh, spayed. But um, yeah, you were whilst you were out larging it in York. Yes. Um, amazingly enough, NFTV actually wasn't with you on Monday. <laughs> Thank God. That would have been an awkward vlog, wouldn't it? You definitely would have had a BFB. I picked member to watch that video. I tell yeah, you. Yeah, anyway. it wouldn't have been getting monetized either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, hope you get better. But um, Craig Moore, um, how would you reflect on his Newcastle career, Sam? Um, pretty much as he does. A bit frustrating because... Around that time, we had so many injuries because this was a time when it was Graham Souness leading into Glen Rover just before 
kind of pre pre Mike Ashley, the end of Alan Shearer's playing career, and whatever happened after that. And it, there was loads of players that were pretty injury prone, and Craig Moore picked up a couple of nasty ones, um, which was a shame because our defence was ropey as anything. And um, he was he was decent. He was part of that real run, if you remember, Johnny, when Sunes was sacked under Glenn Roder. We had a ridiculously good run. Um, towards the end of the season, which saw us finish seventh, and Moore was a big part of that. He was the late, the late Glenn Rhoda, um That actual spell, because I think Shearer was part of the management team at that point. I think he was like one of the. He was assistant team. manager, yeah. technically. I mean, I don't think he did any assistant managing, but he was well, apparently assistant manager. When you look at that little spell towards the back end of that season, Newcastle beat the likes of Chelsea. Beat Sunderland four one. Um, I think they only lost like two. I think they lost a couple of games. I remember losing Man United, Old Trafford, Liverpool, at St James's. But the actual general run was so good that we actually got into Europe the next season. Yeah. And you know we played. I think who did we get beat off? And it was, it was a Dutch team, wasn't it? We get beat off PSV or somebody like that. No, no it was, we... it was Altmar, was it? Altmar. Yeah. Yeah, we got beat four. Um, got beat on uh, away goals. I remember Kieran Dimasing a sitter late on as well, but. Um, yeah, it was it was it was probably just very much just pre Ashley, and then when you look at both sides of um, where we are now, it's you know it's it's universes away, isn't it really? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, we talk about that. We talk about what a takeover would bring to to Newcastle. Um, really insightful guy and a real intelligent guy. I think since I think he's actually moved back to the UK. You know. I think he does some work with um, Rangers media team or something. I know he still does a bit for Optus in it. Uh, Optus well, he's well loved. And he's well loved on the, the uh, blue side of Glasgow. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he does. Fantastic, fantastic winning team at, at, at Rangers. When we signed him, I thought that's a cracking buy for a free transfer, just because like with centre back, sometimes you just need a steady, calm presence, nothing flash. And obviously, at the time, we had Bramble, Boom Song. Uh, Stephen Taylor was coming through, wasn't he? And a, f- a few others, like because of injuries, got their chance. Ramage, Huntington, even remember him? Yeah, um, he was still in Spurs. Yes, yeah. And, and that season, oh six, oh seven, I remember that. Was that the same season that David Edgar scored against Man United? I believe so. Yeah, David Edgar actually. Remember David Edgar scoring um, against Liverpool. Uh, under Kinnear, and I should actually just mention it today. Um, Joe Kinnear is actually being diagnosed with uh, dementia, yeah, uh, terrible. which which is absolutely well heartbreaking. Of course, we can all say this and that about his football managing ability, but when it actually comes to real life and real people, and so you've got to think of the family involved, and it's obviously very very tough news. And it's, it's everyone on, on behalf of Newcastle fans, TV, including. Myself and Sam would really like to wish uh, Joe and his family well in this very difficult time. But um, yeah, it, it's um, David Edgar. Like I say, we, we scored just before half time, five one against Liverpool. We and Shea, if it wasn't for Shea given, it, I'm not even stressing it could have been 10, 11 yeah. more, and yeah. it would to be only two one down at half time. Just scored on the uh, right on right on half time. I couldn't believe it, but yeah, it was it wasn't a bad season when you look at what we're getting what we're getting at the minute, Sam. But um, yeah, glad that Craig Moore was part of that that sort of season, season and a half. Yeah, 
I said just a steady. He wasn't Bramble. He wasn't Boom Song. Um, although he he kind of did kind of enjoy playing alongside them. I think him and Bramble and him and Bramble. I think it was towards the end of that season. Him and Stephen Taylor that were the, the main partnership. Because let's not forget, Bramble did have some good moments. He always used to he always used to be immense Chelsea at home every season. Obviously, he's well renowned for being absolutely ridiculously awful, and and you know. That's that's a pretty fair assessment on on all things considered. But he did have his real good moments, did Bramble, and it was frustrating because there were some glimpses that he had real potential. I mean, you know, so Bobby don't buy you for nothing. So there was a player in there. We just never saw it anywhere near enough. But yeah, him and Craig Moore, and let's not forget Craig Moore's played in two World Cups as well for Australia and and, and a real, real solid pro all round. Yeah, very much so. I think it's about time we get this podcast up and running. So this is the Greenman and Moore on the show. Episode number 61 with Craig Moore. Rickson's got a kick. And Craig Moore with the equaliser. And Celtic couldn't handle Moore at the set piece. It's a brilliant header. Welcome back to Newcastle Fans TV. Whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening on Nova Radio, I'm delighted to join now by former Newcastle defender Craig Moore. Craig, how are you? Sam, thanks very much for, for having us on. Um, yeah, no, look, I'm well considering everything that's happening uh, throughout the world, uh, trying to do the, the, the right things, mate. But today, as you can see, get out and get a little bit of fresh air. To Newcastle in 2005. So when did you first hear of the interest for Newcastle? It was, it was very late on in the in the transfer window. Uh, I was playing all my previous six months was was in Borussia Mönchengladbach in Germany. Um, but we kind of um, had regular discussions at that uh, that time with Graeme Souness. Um, I nearly signed at Blackburn when he was there. Um, so with him being at Newcastle and and maybe looking at the back end of the the market to to strengthen the squad. The opportunity uh, came about for me to to join Newcastle United. I know he tried to sign you for Blackburn previously, as you as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, does it give a, a player confidence when a manager comes back in for a player that obviously he's he's got the manager's gone on to no disrespect to Blackburn, but bigger and better things. Does it give a yeah. player confidence when he tries to come and sign you again this time for a, a, a bigger club? Yeah, no, look, very much so. And, and you know, even nowadays when you're speaking to, to younger players looking to try and forge their way in, a, in, in their careers, it's, it's always good to, ha- to have discussions or the support from the, the coach because normally he's the one that's going to select the team and, and, and pick the squads. Uh, so, look, it was fantastic to, to finally get the opportunity uh, to, to work with Graeme Souness. I knew a lot about Graeme Souness in terms of his earlier days at, at Glasgow Rangers and obviously... Uh, you know his history with, with with Liverpool and his spells in Turkey. So that was just a, a fantastic opportunity at the um, the right. Oh, coming to the back end of my career when I was still hoping I had a good few years left, it was fantastic to to join up with Graham Souness. He's an interesting character, Souness, because obviously he he came in to Newcastle at a, at a kind of transitional time. Obviously they'd sacked Sir Bobby Robson, which mm-hmm. was obviously a, a fan favourite and an absolute legend of the game. Um, sure. There was a lot of characters in that dressing room 
um, that he's kind of rubbed up the wrong way, the likes of Craig Bellamy and Lauren Robert. How did you find yeah. Sunes? Was he was he kind of your your kind of manager in terms of style or? Could, yeah, now look, he was. Harmony? Look, the, the only the only issue that that, that I had with Graham Sunes and and uh, it wasn't really an issue. I mean, look, he, he signed us as a player. I come in and unfortunately. I got off to the worst possible start in terms of injuries. So I remember at times myself and, and Graham uh, being in the gym and you know, maybe having a chat about Australia and, and just a disappointment of, of um, you know, him, him sort of like bringing us to the, the football club. Um, and at the same time, me not being fit and being able to put my, my hand up um, to, to play at that particular time, which was which was burning inside. And you know, not, that, not that we ever had heated debates and all that sort of stuff, but I was trying to, communicate in the best possible way to, to say that as much as you know he's disappointed um you know i'm really hurting as well because i come to to this football club because i wanted to play football i wanted to play in the premier league and i wanted to to contribute so look, but he's a, he was a very experienced um you know manager who'd been about the traps um i probably got him at the time where he's a little bit calmer than, than his earlier days <laughs> Yeah, I think he said on Sky Sports the other day that he's he's mellowed down the years. So, yeah, yeah, it's probably a good thing from what we've all heard about him. Um, as you say, though, it was it was a kind of a frustrating time because I remember you scored on your kind of debut in a in a friendly it's against a friendly match. Yeah, Yetting, that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Good memory. But then, um, didn't you get, didn't you get injured pretty much straight? After, straight after, after. I, yeah. I think it was still part of kind of the back end of the pre-season and I believe we went and played a game in, in Ireland uh, we were kind of we were in and we were, we were out um, and just right at the end of the match I kind of just felt a, a, a little nick and just right in the insertion right at the top of the hamstring um, not really thinking too much of the, 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 the time but when we returned to Newcastle um, it was it was still there, and so therefore normal go for, for scans and what have you. And unfortunately, I picked up a little a little tear. Um, and what was a, a little tear? Uh, it's sort of like see, it hung about. It hung about for ages. It niggled away. And like I says, unfortunately, I didn't get off to to the best possible start um, with Newcastle because I was desperate to be involved, desperate to play, and kind of found myself watching, uh, you know, from the sidelines from a very early stage. Yeah, I remember from a, obviously a fan's perspective. When we signed you, I thought, oh, brilliant. Because obviously most people would have known you from your time at Rangers. And yeah. then um, I thought, oh, bit of a bargain here. Someone to yeah. really, really yeah. solidify that defence. Because um, I don't want to throw, make you throw your ex-teammates under the bus. But we obviously had the likes of Boomsong and uh, Bramble. And the defence there. Stephen Taylor. Stephen Taylor. And then um, you had Ramage as well, just coming through. Peter Ramage. Correct. Yeah. So the defence with like... The first two that I mentioned, it was a bit leaky to say the least at times. So, <laughs> so when we signed you, I thought, oh, brilliant, someone to really kind of shore up this defence because there was still uh, the foundations of a real strong team there. You had the likes yeah, of yeah, very uh, much so. Shea Given, Shearer, Owen. Um, what was the? There was obviously like a lot of big personalities in that dressing room. What was the mm. atmosphere like in the dressing room? Who was the kind of dressing room leaders? Obviously, Alan Shearer was a was was a leader of that football club. Um, but in terms of you know the dressing room and and then obviously you spill out into the cafeteria and and, and uh, you know there's a 
certainly different dynamics within the squad. But I found it to be a very, uh, very happy squad. Kieran Dyer was quite quite lively. Um, you know, he used to he used to terrorise whoever he could um, on any particular day. Um, but again, I think you know probably because his headspace, uh, he was uh, you know struggling also with uh, with the injuries. Um, but like I said, I mean, Al was a, as a fantastic leader because um, he, you know, he had this reputation and aura, and and obviously well respected, rightly so, in in Newcastle. You know, he was a god up there, and certainly had the respect of everybody within the the football club. You know, but we had a we had a good squad. We had a good mix of players. You know, like says defensively, you mentioned the central defenders. I mean, I had brief experience with, with John Lane Boomsong at Rangers as well, so I kind of knew a, knew a little bit about him. I knew Tails was was a was a great younger player that, that certainly wore his heart in his sleeve and, and gave his all to the to the football club whenever he was out there. Uh, Big T, Big Titus was, was was obviously a little bit unpredictable, and I think that that's the kind of feeling that I got from a lot of the Newcastle fans. That hopefully you know I would have been able to to potentially bring um, stability to a partnership. Uh, and like I said, just unfortunately it never. And never got off the ground from the beginning. But Lois like Tezza had a great experience with within the squad. You know, there was some live ones. Stevie Carr was another one that was that was quite lively and had been at the club for a bit. Then you had you know Damien Damien Duff that come in. So we we, we had the Irish boys, didn't we? Shay Given, you know, people that have been there for for a long time uh, and were certainly influential people at the at the football club. So after picking up that injury early on, I didn't make your first start until March in an FA Cup game against Chelsea, which we lost. Chelsea. One. Yeah. Mm. But then at the end of that season, you had a really strong run in the starting 11. Mm. And um, the team coincidentally picked up a bit of form as well towards the back end of that season. And we had two derby wins that you uh, played in, one at Borough yeah. and the one at Sunderland, which yeah. as we sit here now, it was... Uh, it was 14 years to the day since that uh, 4-1 Sunday. Wow. Not looking any older, are we? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that was obviously Alan Shearer's final game in a Newcastle shirt. Um, yeah. Obviously, the, the Sunderland derbies have a, have a lofty reputation in the northeast of being yeah. pretty fiery. And um, So what were your memories of that day? And obviously, we went 1-0 down in that game and we turned we it around. Did battered them in the end yeah. uh, what do you remember from that day and uh, the whole feeling about the, the game ah, look again derbies um, you know whatever club uh, you, you know you, you play out they're always very special to, to the supporters but obviously um, you know the range uh, sorry Newcastle um, is a very spicy derby uh, I had the great experience of the, the old firm derbies um, up in Scotland so look I was probably um you know, in a good space in terms of, you know, I didn't feel that I was going to run into something that I hadn't experienced before. Um, you know, but what I did run into again was a was a very uh, highly contested uh, derby that, that meant so much to the supporters. And uh, that last game of, of Al, because uh, he picked up the knee injury, I, I believe, in that game, but he scored the penalty. Did Chopra score a couple? Chopra got one, and I think it was in Zogbier, and then Albert Luque wrapped it up. Alan Shearer says as he gets older, the feeling of scoring gets sweeter and sweeter. And that will taste very nice indeed in his last weird time derby. Alan Shearer has put Newcastle United in. Okay, yeah, yeah. So in the end, it was, it, it was pretty convincing. And, and again, there's, there's nothing sweeter than getting one over your, 
your rivals and going out there and getting the, the, the great result. Like I said, I'd heard a lot of, a lot about the, the derbies and, you know, Middlesbrough being a little bit closer, but Sunderland, Sunderland is the one that always, when they're thereabouts, you, you want to get one over on the, on Sunderland and very fortunate that particular, that particular day. And as you touch on, we, we had a, a good finish to that season, my first season there. And I think we actually, we, we snuck a, a position through the, into Toto, didn't we? we so we yeah. finished in eighth. Yeah, Glenn Roger would have uh, taken over by then. Go back a little bit on um, Graham Souness and his departure. Was there? A, did he kind of lose the dressing room, or was it the players still behind him? But it was just a case of one of them things. Results weren't going his way, and a change needed to be made. Ah, uh, look. I mean, the people that, that that are in the higher positions are paid to make make decisions for the best interest of the football club. So they they made the decisions that they felt were the right ones. Um, my my time there uh, under under Graham, um, he was very unlucky. You know, we, even with Albert Luque that come in, I mean, he was he was uh, injured for, for for a spell. I mean, Michael Owen um, also injured. Um, so uh, look, in football, you need a lot of things to come together, uh, and you in, and you need a little bit of luck. But um, we we probably had a squad that. Um, if everybody was able to put their hand up, then then certainly Sunas uh, would have probably still been in a job because you would have had a team that were able to perform very well week in, week out. Glenn Roder's style kind of differ from Graham's. Uh, again, I'd known of Glenn uh, because he used to come up to, to Glasgow all the time with Paul Gascoigne back in the day. Um, so I'd met I'd met Glenn before and, uh, you know, obviously I knew he was doing work over there prior in the academy and I always kind of got the feeling that he was, was, um, you know, he was better with uh, with younger players. Um, he probably, you know, f- felt that he could he could forge a better relationship or bond with those younger players. Um, you know, I, I felt that although we finished, um, like I said, strongly within the season, I think it was probably, uh, you know, players and squad driven rather than a, a top notch uh, head coach coming in and making the world a difference. But look, what what you end up having with any kind of coach is. Um, you get a reaction uh, because everyone knows that it's a clean slate. So everyone that, you know, potentially players weren't playing prior have now got an opportunity, uh, which should always be the case because the way you train is, is hopefully going to allow the opportunities, but you have to be, you have to be ready. And, you know, Glenn come in and, and, and provided that environment. And uh, like I says, when you get that different head coach coming in, uh, it certainly does give you a lift. Uh, it's just whether or not that lift then can be consistent in terms of, two, three, four seasons, because that's what clubs want. They want stability and progression. Or whether or not you just get that little, uh, you know, spike for, for the three to six months, which is also something that uh, you do see quite a lot in football. We're always reliably informed that everyone that's come into contact with Gaza has a has a Gaza story. Um, do, you, do you have a uh, Paul Gascoigne story to share? Uh, well, I've got, I've got plenty, but... Um, uh, yeah, look, I mean, at the time, look, Gascoigne's a genius. So for me, when I when I think of Paul Gascoigne, um, I, I was fortunate enough to play uh, for two years with him at Glasgow Rangers. I was fortunate enough to meet him uh, while I was at Newcastle on a couple of, of occasions as well. And it, we all know he was a genius on the football field, and that was that was where he really felt at home. Um, but I, look, I found him really, really positive um, and very good for the younger player. Um, he was always somebody that wanted to he was firm he was hard he wasn't he, you know he wouldn't take liberties or or give everybody anybody a leg up 
uh, just for the sake of it. You had to prove and show that you had quality. But uh, once once you had that, then then Gaza was brilliant. I mean, we've all heard the the the, the, the crazy stories, but um, I think they're for they're for different evenings. Let's say you know, it's like uh, I, I I enjoy talking about what he what he provided as a footballer um, because I think um, he was an absolute genius and. I think it was a year in Rangers, the eight in a row season. Um, there was, you know, one game, I think it was against Aberdeen. He scored a couple of goals, but he, he literally bossed the game and, and done what he wanted, when he wanted. Such was his quality, you know. He, he could get the ball and pass at 10 yards um, quite quite easily, but that was kind of too easy for him. He wanted to wait. He wanted to feel his opponent. He wanted to do a couple of twists and turns and embarrass his opponent first, and then he'll play that 10-yard pass that he could have done 10 seconds ago. Such was the quality of the man. Your second season for Newcastle, you obviously started yeah. the season, you were, you were yeah. an injury-free and forged a bit of a partnership with the, with the likes of um, Bramble and um, Stephen Taylor and whatnot. Um, yeah. It was, a, it was, again, still a bit of a transitional period because mm. it was in a um, couple of years that were kind of, as I say, post the Bobby, but pre-Mike Ashley, who's obviously yes. in the news at the moment. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, well, we're on the verge of something, something massive. Have you been kind of following it from afar, and what have you made of Mike Ashley's tenure? Uh, look, I have because look, one thing you've known about Newcastle under Mike Ashley is, um, you know, he's he's probably not invested into the football club the way that the supporters uh, would have liked. Um, but at the same time, you know, you have to respect um, anybody that that throws in the kind of money that. Um, these owners do it's a it's a very expensive hobby um you know so uh, you know the opportunity and newcastle potentially quietly being on the market for, for for a couple of years well it hasn't been that quiet has it because there's been a couple of uh you know major scoops about the, the potential sale of the football club that have fallen through and look i i hope this time fingers crossed with with the saudi uh, potential investors that um that this one is legitimate this one is real and and I think, you know, if it if it does go through, there's some fantastic um, and real exciting times ahead for the Geordies, uh, for the Newcastle supporters. That you still have to be smart when you when you have um, you know such strength in the market in terms of financially. You still need to be very clever within the market. It's not about just going out and spending willy nilly. And we've got some money to burn. So you know, I imagine uh, if it does go through, you will see some changes. Uh, and, you know, what that looks like in terms of recruitment. Uh, I have no idea at this particular moment in time, but there will certainly be some shrewd people that are involved, uh, especially in the recruitment side of things. Hopefully the exciting times are back and we kind of look forward as opposed to looking behind us in a relegation uh, scrap every season. Just, just to kind of sum up your time at Newcastle, how do you kind of look back in general? Is it a kind of... Was it a kind of frustrating two years in your career because of injuries and whatnot, or was it just a, a a great time part of your career that you look back fondly on? My my time at the football club was was, was a great time. Um, I, I really really enjoyed myself. I, I guess personally, when I, when um, I think about um, myself in in terms of being fit and being able to put my hand up uh, week in week out for the football club, I felt as if um, you know, I let the club down in that way. So, like, you know, when I was fit, I kind of played, um, and I and I think people could see the, you know, the 
the, the type of character and, and, and the type of player that I, that I was. Uh, for me, it was, it was extremely frustrating. Um, but, um, you know, a really fantastic time at the football club. I loved everybody at the football club. I continue to, to, to follow and uh, support the, you know, the football club. I just feel as if probably Newcastle and United were, were shortchanged a little bit on my time at the football club, which, you know, sometimes it happens with, with injuries and, and certain times within your career. I was fortunate, fortunate enough after I'd left Newcastle and, you know, I kind of, you know, would have liked to have stayed a little bit longer. You know, it was certainly something I wanted to, to do. But business is brutal at times in the, in, in the footballing world. And, and I certainly understood uh, uh, the, the, the financial side of, you know, the, the decision by the football club. Um, I'd been about for, for long enough at that particular stage to, to completely understand the decision and, and certainly, uh, you know, understood that. And I managed to, to, to play another two, three seasons after that where I managed to stay fit and healthy. Um, so I managed to get some games under my belt, finish, finish up uh, for me on, on a, the highest possible level of game uh, with a, a World Cup in uh, South Africa in 2010. Where you got on the score sheet against Croatia, if I remember rightly. That was 2006. Ah! <laughs> that was that was 2006. But um, yeah, no, nah, like I said, I mean, I I was fortunate enough where you know I didn't play at loads of clubs, but I always think that um, you know that the fans um, certainly you know respected and, and appreciated where where I come from when I was fit and able to do a job. And I believe that I did, you know, uh, do, a, do a job. But just unfortunately with Newcastle, it wasn't anywhere near uh, as much as what, you know, myself personally and certainly the supporters would have, would have liked to have seen. But like I said, sometimes these things happen in football. Um, you know, there were, other play- there were other players that come to the football club that um, were, again, not their fault, but, you know, far more money outlaid on a transfer and, and, and salaries and, and kind of found themselves in a, in a similar boat. So it's just unfortunate. It doesn't in any way um, sort of like uh, change my thoughts of my time at the football club because I got the great chance to play for, for Newcastle United, who are a, you know, an unbelievable football club with, with, with a great set of supporters. Uh, and every year, every year, they, you know, there's that hope of going and, and winning silverware and, uh, I'm very, very certain that if things go in the right direction uh, with a potential uh, takeover, that there's some some really exciting times ahead for Newcastle United. And I'm sure some silverware uh, will not that, uh, be that far away as well. So hopefully that's the case there. Yeah? I mean, we're, we're still in the FA Cup this season, but who knows when that's even going to be played or... I, I mean, if it's going to be played. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, kind of just to wrap up, how, how are things over there and... What are you doing to keep yourself busy whilst I'm, I'm assuming you're on lockdown just as we are in the UK? And yeah, how are you keeping busy and what are you doing with yourself these days? Finding myself doing more of these kind of things. <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's just a sign of the a sign of the times. But uh, look, you you know, you still got to, we, we we Australia's in the same similar position. You know, it's like uh, stay in house unless you need to pop out for the essentials. Yeah. Um, so look, we're we're trying to do the right thing for for not only our family and, and friends, but for the broader community as well. We've all got a, a role to play uh, to make sure that there's not as many people, hopefully, within the the, the hospitals uh, needing treatment, all that sort of stuff. So we've been quite lucky in Australia that um, it hasn't it, it hasn't spiralled out of control. But we haven't gone into the colder months either. So it's still very important that can people you know people continue to to do the right things. 
in the last couple of years, I've you know been exploring just consultancy within football in general. You know, I don't like to um, say that you know I'm I'm just like looking at players or, or coaches, but I'm looking at you know everything within football. So the potential buying and selling of, of football clubs, player representation, coach and administration placement. Uh, legends football matches, exhibition matches, consultancy in general. I'm kind of leaving myself open um, and, and, and being flexible. So the last couple of years has been has been really good in terms of uh, you know, really cementing the networks that um, that I had, but more importantly, being able to to grow those networks to hopefully be able to do more in the future. Who's who's the hottest property in the A League at the moment? Is there a kind of young up and coming? Say if say if a a club gets really mega rich pretty soon. Yeah. What player yeah. should they be looking at to kind of? Look, in, in, in Australia at this particular moment in time, I'll be brutally honest. We're not producing the, the type of player that um, you know that we've kind of seen over the last twenty years. Uh, and, and look, that might just be a generational thing as well. But um, you know, the resilience, the determination, the ability to go overseas to, to Europe and and adapt. But to be able to make those moves stick, we, we haven't seen uh, that often. You know, we end up getting players that are coming back to the, the safety net of our our A League, so to speak. Our our most recent, you know, more exciting type of player was was Daniel Arzani, uh, who who signed with the, the City Group and, and was loaned out to, to Celtic. And unfortunately, he picked up a, a an ACL injury that you know put him sort of like on the back burner for 12, 15 months. But you know, Still, still a young lad. Um, played in the, the, you know, got some minutes in the 2018 World Cup, um, and the type of player that, you know, I think football fans in general like to see because he has no fear. Um, you know, he expresses himself uh, in, in a positive way and makes things happen. So he's probably the most exciting that we've um, seen for for a good few years. But hopefully. Hopefully, we can uh, continue to, to produce better players. We need to produce better players. Our A-League product um, needs to improve. And with everything that's happening now, um, maybe a restart or a reboot, um, you know, that might look something a little bit different to, to say what, what's finished here in Australia. We've already declared the, the minor, minor premiers. We have a minor premiership that then potentially go into a final series. Look. Highly unlikely the final series will go ahead as well. So Sydney FC will be will, will be crowned uh, champions and rightly so this year. And hopefully, uh, I'm the first to let Newcastle United know when there's ever, ever any some great young talent uh, coming through. And hopefully we can get them to, to Newcastle United because it would be a, a wonderful opportunity. And if there were ways of, at forming and putting strategic partnerships in place, that'd be fantastic. Craig, it's been an absolute privilege to talk to you today. Um, Thank you so much for your time and uh, hopefully we can have you back on the channel again soon. Sam, thanks very much for your time uh, and all the best to, to Newcastle United and all the supporters and hopefully with this potential new takeover, it goes well.